0: Since the coronavirus pandemic of 2020, there's been some films and some TV shows that have popped up that have addressed that in the plot lines of the episodes or the plot lines of the films. I'd watch a lot of TV with my wife from time to time, and I watch all these police and uh, hospital procedure shows, and they do a pretty good job of getting away with addressing coronavirus. Film goers and TV watchers, I think, are all kind of on the fence with seeing that on the big screen or seeing that on the small screen, even though it's only been about close to two years since the pandemic started. I, too, have been on the fence. I don't really know if I want to see that in my film or my TV shows yet. I kind of I'm living it right now. Still, I'd rather look back on it years down the road, maybe, and get some insight onto some things. But unfortunately, that's not the case. That being said, I've been picky with films that address the pandemic, address coronavirus, and sometimes I think they don't do a good job at getting away with it. That's not the case on today's episode. There's a film out there on demand right now called Old Strangers. It's about three friends who get together after both testing negative for COVID. They spend a weekend together in a cabin up in the woods to kind of get away from it all, but they don't really get away from it all. It all kind of creeps back in and some really bad things start to happen. Let's just leave it at that. And I have the director on the show today, and he does an absolutely incredible job at breaking down the message he's trying to convey on the film rather than it just being, you know, some movie that happens to still take place during the pandemic. So I hope you all enjoy this interview. And once you're done listening to it, go track down Old Strangers, it's on demand. We'll be announcing a lot of uh, platforms that the uh, movie's on by the end of the episode. And with that being said, Welcome to the Basement. treat here today on the basement I have filmmaker Nikki G or Nick Nick G Nick Gregorio here on the show today Nick thank you for coming on and saying yes dude thanks so much for having me I'm excited we're in the basement I'm in the garage you're in the basement let's do it I'm not even in the basement that's just the name I'm in a, I'm oh. in my, I'm in my study it I just all right I gotta go I pull, fuck this. I'm out of here. Uh, I'm canceled now. I
1: told in the basement. I'm um, gone. Bye. I mean, you look like you're in a basement
0: actually, but, uh, no. So you have a, you have a film that I, you know, I, one of the ways I get, you know, people on this show, I get, you know, little emails for independent films from, you know, PR reps and whatnot. And I get a film called old strangers, um, screener for it and I popped it on and I'm, I should stop talking. You should give us the elevator pitch. What's going on with this movie?
1: All right. So this, is a, this was made in the heart of the pandemic of lockdowns. Three friends, Sarah, Michael, and Danny, all decide to kind of break quarantine, get tested, go up to a cabin in Big Bear and reconnect. You know, they had been like, they've fallen out of touch over the past 10 years. So they wanted to finally get together, get off a Zoom call, experience nature. So they come up to this cabin and like, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, so they walk, hike out into the woods and they stumble upon something, um, something dark and something that's kind of feeding on their pain. Uh, and it only gets worse from there. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about it, but that's sort of the elevator pitch.
0: Yeah, it does. There's a, uh, uh, there's a couple of, well, I'll get to it a little later, but um, there's a couple, I don't even know if there are questions or just observations I had while I was watching it, but um. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up about it in just a minute, but because you and I are kind of meeting for the first time, I just kind of want to get, uh, your origin story a little bit where everything kind of started for you. The go-to question out of the gate for filmmakers is like, what did you see? What did you read? What did you listen to? I don't know. Like what, like what made you think like as a filmmaker, what made you say, I want to do that?
1: Uh, well, to, to go back to the origins, I'm from South Philadelphia. So it's right. a, an Italian-American neighborhood in South Philadelphia. Uh, but I always had a penchant for creativity. Um, I was really big in the comic books, still am, action figures, anime. I'm going to uh, ask you about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, very, very big into that. You got Spidey right there. Uh, so um, that was kind of my my first foray into uh you know fandom and genre was through the co- through the lens of comic books as i got older i mean the, the premier medium was movies every friday night me and my friends would go to the movies and we would basically watch anything that was in the cinema it wasn't even like you would check the times we would just show up and like catch the next viewing of whatever movie we hadn't seen yet um big star wars fan I mean, Star Wars, I was in seventh grade. I dressed as Luke from Return of the Jedi and a movie hadn't been out for like 20 years. And people, like, what are, who, what, what, what are you, Michael Jackson? I had, like the one glove and like, <laughs> uh, so then uh, as I got to college, um, I was like a fine artist and I was into uh, co- computers. People were like, there's this new major, it's called digital media. It basically blends art and technology uh, as we know it now, it's, it's just is media, social media, digital, virtual, whatever, uh, and film has all gone that way. My love for cinema grew. Uh, some of my favorite directors: Martin Scorsese, Italian American. He also tells a lot of great gangster pictures, but they're also tales about Italian American culture. And when if you look at them closely, they're also cautionary tales. People tend to overlook that part of it. Uh, Tarantino, of course, uh, a master of. Blending genres, paying homage while also elevating subject matter. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, The Godfather. I know I'm banging that Italian American drum, but The Godfather is still the greatest movie of all time. That's easy. It's slam dunk, verse jam. Um, but I do love Stanley Kubrick. I do love Ridley Scott. Uh, huge inspirations from from those two guys as well. I mean, these are all heavy hitters, top level dudes. But um, yeah, they they are. They are my motivating or uh, aspirational directorial
0: uh, motivations. So that's, that's, that's the, that's the, sh- the short of the long. Yeah. So I'm just saying this cause I got this on my desk right now, looking at me cause I got it for Christmas and it's been out for a few months. Did you read uh, uh, the novelization on once upon a time in Hollywood? Cause I know you just mentioned Tarantino.
1: No, I didn't, but a really good friend of mine, Cooper Hagedorn uh, worked on that movie and he got here. to read the script under lock and key. And he told me uh, he was actually responsible for getting the mobile, which was never used. <laughs> that was one of his like duties, but um, he told me that the script had so much stuff in it that was not in the movie. Um, but the novelization I heard is pretty, is pretty solid.
0: I have not opened it up yet. It is. Oh. It, I, it was like released in like, you know, paperback for a while, but then like I was in the bookstore and I mean, let me put it up to the screen here and nerd out for a no. second. But like that, like the foot fetish thing uh. for our, for our <laughs> listeners that aren't maybe checking out any promotional video on the show. I have the uh, hardcover of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. And it's, you know, pretty much when the, a painting of when Brad Pitt pulls up the you know, the Manson Born ranch there. and everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that's, that's what I heard. It's pretty, a lot of stuff's expanded. I mean, I, I feel like they're going to dives deep in like Leonardo DiCaprio's like characters, um, Rick Dalton's, uh, career and, you know, the crazy journey he goes on and whatnot into going to do Italian cinema during the sixties and seventies, which I kind of, know
1: that's great. It's, it's, I love the way they shot it. Too. I mean, Robert Richardson's like, my favorite DP, I love Deacons, but Robert Richardson that's you know, Casino is, is up there, is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And uh, w- what he did in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is just bonkers. Hateful Eight, Hateful Eight, just like one of one of the best looking movies I think maybe ever shot. Uh, yeah. but I'm actually going to Casa Vega tonight with my co EP, Drew Marion, to celebrate the release of the movie. I'm not kidding. Nice, I was like, I was like Drewski, we're going to Casa Vega, put on. <laughs> I was like, we're going to fucking Leo and Pitt in a booth. We're going to drink and blubber about how proud of each other we are about putting this movie out. And I was like, so uh, awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool.
0: Yeah. Hopefully you go home and uh, nobody breaks into your house. Ha- I don't want to even go there, man. But
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I might have to kill a few cultists. I don't know. Yeah. But like
0: if, if someone does break into your house, you know, hopefully one of you is like tripping on something and, you know, you. My wife's more the Cliff Booth. I'm more like Leo. Like, whoa, hey. Whoa. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> okay, well, that's that's cool. Those are like kind of, I mean, that that's cool. We kind of have a shorthand here because those are kind of my go-to filmmakers. I mean, Scorsese, Scorsese, I mean, what can, I don't know what more you can say about him, but you probably can. But yeah, like I, I, I have to do a Scorsese episode on this show sometime where we just, go for four hours and talk about his entire filmography from this stuff. Even like people, people forget, you know, he made a few good movies before mean streets and whatnot. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. They only, they only reference like the gangster pictures. I was like, what about all the other, not even closely resembling gangster pictures that he made? Like, I, I love the last temptation of Christ. Like, that's like, it's so Like, again, I think he directs fearlessly. There's a ton of like, what I, what I, am envious of him is that he just does whatever it takes to get a shot and it's like it doesn't matter if it's not perfect or the cut con- like the continuity's off or it's it's oh, smashed yeah. together and, and spliced together hard like but he just does it and you're like man it works so well and it's like you just need i like as a director you need so you just need so many so much balls to do that because it's everyone's telling you not to everyone's like no 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 don't too, and uh you know he has an he has an amazing editor but like so many of his movies are so similar in that kind of i don't know just bold face aggressiveness that you just don't get especially from like modern directors like yeah right no chance
0: <laughs> no he he is uh i'd hate to say last of a dying breed. Cause I know he's up there in age. That's kind of, yeah. I mean that as respectfully as I can, but I, we're not going to see another person like him for a very, very long time. Maybe not even in our lifetime. No,
1: I don't, I don't think it. You, when you're, you're talking about an analog medium, that was the premier medium of its time when he became a filmmaker, my friend Coop, who I just brought up, he was like, imagine if movies came out today and you ask kids that were raised on TikTok." and instagram to sit through a three-hour they would be like this is the cra- if it was a new invention right if, if the feature-length film was a new invention they would be like are you insane i'm not gonna sit in one place without checking my phone like it's just not you know the, the yeah. filmmakers that are coming up now are not being influenced by the pace or or this like the physical media of film in the way previous generations of directors
0: were now uh I just had like three questions right there for you. I don't know how I'm going to get them all out, but you mentioned, you know, the physical media of, well, let me first start by last thing I want to say about Scorsese. We're nerding out here, um, which is completely fine on this show. If you ever want to nerd out, you mentioned like a three hour movie. Like I'm, uh, the Irishman was obviously his most yeah. recent one a couple years ago. And I just, I remember once the credits rolled on that, I mean, yeah, you can tell he had to maybe bend a little bit to stay with the times and with the audience he's potentially going to have through Netflix with CGI Robert De Niro's face for younger. Yeah, like it. I I didn't really like it either. And Scorsese even said like, hey, I don't know about it either, but what what do you want from me? But (laughs) I just remember a lot of people were like expecting Goodfellas from that movie or casino or of the why isn't joe pesci going off the walls killing people and i'm just like th- no that is a that i thought irishman for me personally i don't know how you feel about it but for me like that was like a good third installment into something like goodfellas casino and then that with just kind of I don't really know where I'm getting at, where I'm trying to here, land let me here. Let me
1: hear, let me, let me see if I can help you out with this. Go one. ahead, go ahead.
0: This is, uh, this is my kind of
1: look at Scorsese's gangster pictures. Mean Streets are street kids yeah. affected by crime, but not directly tied into it. Goodfellas is one more rung up the ladder of the organized crime, but they're still not the heavy hitters. Casino is how organized crime not only infiltrated corporate America, but the entire country at large. And then the Irishman spans all three of those movies, giving you a, an, an overarching umbrella into like the mechanisms, what which caused like, why were the kids in mean streets? Why were the gangsters in Goodfellas? And then ultimately, how powerful it was, and then how almost non existent, where how the government basically was like, no, we're the gangsters. What's up? <laughs> so that's basically what I think. they locked up all the gangsters, and they're like, we'll just be the gangsters. That sounds great. <laughs>
0: All right. What he said. Uh, <laughs> you can host this show now if you want. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that no. That was like kind of what I was. Yeah, definitely um, trying to get at. So that's no, those are some that's some great, great, great references. there. great names to look at the gods of contemporary and even past filmmaking. Um, you did mention something about f- film as like a physical medium and, f- you know, like, to me, like or like physical media in general. I mean, obviously I got a stack of Blu-rays and DVDs behind me. Uh you and I, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask how old you are here on the on the air, but like you and I seem like we're kind of maybe in the same age group, give or take. Maybe I'm
1: 38. I don't mind saying how old I am I'm
0: 38. Okay, yeah. Well you're a little older than me, but yeah, I yeah, mean born 1983. So okay, I'm oh, 88, yeah. So uh Like we, you know, video store days, were they big for you at all? Like, this is just a big topic on the conversation. It it was huge for
1: me. I mean, I still, I buy physical media as well. I Mm -hmm. I started collecting like Criterion and 4K, Blu-rays. I just miss, I miss the wonder. I know it sounds super cheesy, but the wonder of like the video store experience. I think the reason my, the reason I got into anime or the reason I got into like indie film was because you would just, you would see something that maybe caught your eye in a video store and you would rent it. And then you had to live with it because like your parents, like my parents, I don't know, wouldn't let me rent a bunch of stuff. It was like you rented like one thing a week or like you had like one trip to the video store in a given amount of time. It was usually over a weekend because we weren't watching movies during the week all that much at school and stuff like that. So like you had to watch it. Whether you loved it or hated it or it was your favorite genre or it was like a bad pick, like you had to sit there and watch the movie and then you'd probably rewatch it a few times because you're like, well, we got to do back on Sunday night. So let's see how much we can get out of this. But um, yeah, it really it, it it opened the door for me. And then I would have friends that would be like, oh, you got to check out the clerks. And people just all passed around like a bootleg, like VHS of clerks. And we all saw that for the first, like Kevin, Kevin Smith was like a God growing up. We're like, Oh man, one Mm -hmm. day an indie filmmaker like that, like, that'd be so dope.
0: I real quick, Kevin Smith story for me. Um, I'm down in central Florida right now. I'm in the Orlando area. I'm originally from the Northeast. I'm from Massachusetts, Western mass, not Boston. Okay, Um, But So Kevin Smith's mom lives somewhere near me. I don't know where. She lives within a few towns over. Uh, So he's like frequently in the area around here. And uh, this is so fucking frustrating because my wife knows how big of a fan I am of him. Like I I made a, a feature film that I wasn't ripping off Clerks, but it was basically like I was watching a lot of Kevin Smith while I was writing it. And like, you know, but I mean, I was like 18 when I did it. So anyway, but um, I'm like getting, I'm pumping gas one day at a gas station before we went home and I, there's like this big escalade parked at the gas station and there's this girl standing there just texting. She doesn't look like she belongs in the, the, I know that's kind of mean, but like she literally stands out. I kind of know
1: where this is. I think I know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) And I'm just kind of looking at her like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden it's like my eyes shift about two inches to the left and Kevin Smith dressed like how you would expect Kevin Smith to be dressed comes walking out of the gas station and I'm like, not fanboying out or anything, but I'm just kind of like, holy fucking shit. Kevin Smith is right there. One of my heroes. And I'm stuck pumping gas. (laughs) Like, I'm not stuck, but like I froze. I was frozen. He just like he's I guess it was like his assistant, maybe, or someone traveling with him or something. And they just get in the car and they drive off. And no one, I didn't see anybody like run up to him or anything. I don't know what happened inside the store. Like 10 seconds later, my wife comes running out. Oh, did you see who was in there? I was like, yeah, (laughs) fucking Kevin Smith. (laughs)
1: uh, i i actually you know i had the pleasure of working with kevin i directed wow. him uh yeah i used to direct a show called dc daily which i've was, heard of this uh, yeah on the dc universe platform yeah. and for our kickoff live stream first show uh kevin hosted so and his daughter harley ended up being okay i thought it was harley that was at the uh mm-hmm. the car um no, yeah, had, i don't think yeah i know what
0: she like. looks like but yeah
1: um but yeah uh I had that moment with him. So I I went up to him and I was like, Hey, I was like, I know like pretty hectic and all that when we wrap, but I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm from Philly, Jersey area. And um, I'm a huge fan of yours. And one of the reasons I'm in the filmmaking took a picture next to the Keaton bat suit. It was like, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It was like one of those moments where I'm like giving Kevin notes and him kind of being like, no, I'm like, okay, good. It's cool. All right. (laughs) Get back in the booth and we'll shoot this show. But yeah. Uh, worked with harley for like i don't know probably like 60 episodes of the show she was one of our yeah correspondents so cool, cool dude um it, it's interesting to see that like his persona has become bigger than his movies now like i think he's more known for like his persona and for his podcasting and uh like his fandom presence than i think any of his yeah. movies but when we were growing up like I, I I remember like we went to go see uh, Dogma and we were just like oh my god oh my god it was so good like we left the theater just like oh man Kevin's just killing it and then yeah and then Cop Out just sort of ended it and the whole thing
0: <laughs> Bruce Willis yeah. making Kevin Smith mad just kind of yeah. <laughs> screwed things up uh, I, I, I know like people yeah like that image of Kevin Smith and you know want him and I you know I'm, we're still waiting on I think clerks three did that rap shooting or did that go into shoot i don't know i'd never know the up i would always hear different things but uh isn't it no it's not jay and silent bob
1: came out no clerks three isn't out yet i think it was like almost out it's not like something happened where it was like oh it's it's coming
0: i feel like he posted something on Instagram recently that was about it. So like, he's obviously in the mix with getting it made. Still, I don't know if it's going into production. I don't know, but that's besides the point. I think what I was about to say is like, everybody, you know, likes to see him do, you know, clerks and kind of that, that, that Kevin Smith persona, but I loved how he branched out and did a film like Tusk. And yeah. And like, like nobody likes that. I was talking about that with a friend recently and somebody's on the show a lot. Like he just, That movie just like I think it's gonna get like better. Like there's gonna be it's I love it, but like it's gonna have like this nice resolution at the end and everything's gonna be fine. I loved it. I like
1: I I went in blind too. I I thought Red State was fine, but I didn't I thought it was a little bit too on the nose. I was like, all right, but Tusk, I was like, Tusk made me feel weird. I watched Tusk and I was like, I feel very uncomfortable, and I think that's a good job. I was like, if it it very much in that tales from the crypt kind of si- twilight zone vibe i thought mm-hmm. i thought it like did a good job of maintaining uh that weird sense of dread but also like the gross knit like just it was it was weird it was a weird flick and i it worked it worked really well for me it worked really well for me
0: yeah i, I just i went in blind i just heard it was like i don't know i just remember like once it ended i was like yeah i, I see why they hate it but nah i don't hate it this is perfect. <laughs> this is-
1: I was like, yeah, this worked. I, it worked for me. It
0: definitely worked for me. So I'm, I'm on the same page with you there. All right. All right. All right. Um, well, no, that was a good little kickoff here. But let's get into um, let's get into your film. OK. Uh, Old Strangers. It's it, it's it's a covid movie. Like, you know, from from the get go, it acknowledges like, well, one thing I wanted to ask you, like, as someone making a film you know, because I've had other filmmakers on here that shot during the pandemic where like, you know, you can see why like, you know, limited cast and whatnot, you know, you kind of get the sense that they filmed this right when movie, you know, film sets started opening back up, but they don't necessarily, they don't talk about COVID or anything. They don't, but like you yeah. in your movie, you acknowledge it. Like, talk to me about why you wanted to do that,
1: basically. um I, I feel that Covid has been misrepresented uh, cinematically or creatively or on television. It's either super extreme, like I I keep referencing Grey's Anatomy, where the lead character Meredith Grey is in a coma from Covid, and I'm like, okay. Or it's ignored completely, like they don't even like, oh, everything's fine. And I'm like, neither of those things are are real. And I was like, I want. I, I was like, one, I need to exercise all of my stress and anxiety and mental illness surrounding COVID. And I think a lot of people need that. And I I wanted it to be a time capsule. I wanted to say like, no, no, this happened and this is how it felt. And this is what we did. And we were longing for each other. But I also wanted to acknowledge like uh, there was this strange phenomenon right when COVID kicked off where everyone discovered Zoom. And we were like, we could zoom. We'll just zoom. I'm like, I haven't seen my friends from zoom high school. Right let's zoom. Yeah. We always, oh, my college buddies, let's zoom, but slowly, but surely there started like to chip away at the veneer. And you're like, I sort of remember why we don't hang out anymore. Like it, like things started, but you started to realize that like, oh, you grew apart from some people and some people are doing this now and now I'm having kids. And, um, and I was like, I, that really kind of stuck with me. Uh, you know, like kind of uh, the road to hell is paved to, it, with good intentions. Like, you know, everybody wants to reconnect. Everybody wants to recapture that uh, the spirit of their youth. But it's impossible. It's impossible. Right. It's impossible to do that. And like you can only keep that up for so long before you're like, no, I'm not that person anymore. And you're not that person. And what we thought we had is, is gone. So as much as it's a, a genre sci-fi piece, it is really just an analogy for the times, and for dealing with people and, and, and reacting to COVID. Like it's a very, it's a mirror to the, the pandemic era, if you will.
0: No, I, I definitely felt that, uh, you know, once the credits rolled on the movie, uh, I, I, you kind of like you, you get it out of the way. I mean, you don't really get it out of the way in the, I shouldn't say that, but like, you know, first scene you see these characters, you're like, oh, okay. So this is after, you know, they've passed a COVID test and they're going to hang out and whatnot. And there's like a couple little scenes throughout it, um, you know, just to acknowledge it, but definitely everything you said is true about kind of people in the last year and a half, I feel. Cause, and I don't even know if it's politics too. I'm I'm not going to get political on the show, but uh, yeah like I just feel like there's people that maybe I'm not as close with as I once was maybe there's even family members I'm not even close with as I once was because of something like this and what's that gonna do to me moving forward what's that gonna do to anybody else moving forward So I thought the film did a really that's probably why I was just like yes I want to interview this guy because I think he was talking more about just a virus going on in the movie
1: Thank you I, I appreciate that yeah I, that, that was. That was important to me. I, um, the arts have sort of been hijacked by one mentality and the arts are supposed to be for everyone. And it's not supposed to have, uh, one of the things I wanted to do with this movie was to make it apolitical, because I was like, what the story I'm trying to tell doesn't pick a side, it's about humanity. And I think we've, we ignore that a lot now. Like we're kind of defining people by their choices. Or, or their affiliation, but we're not defining people by their actions. And I find that to be very strange, I find it to be strange. to me that to me that feels alien. Um, you know, it, it feels it feels counterproductive as a species to <laughs> to bucket everybody away and like tag them with this and that and the other thing and it, it misses the whole, I don't know the point of life and the point of our interaction, and the point of our friendships. and I, I kind of I definitely wanted to show, I wanted, I wanted a movie that I think that everyone could watch without feeling like they were under attack in some way, shape, or form.
0: Uh, so obviously you shot during the pandemic. When did you specifically shoot this thing? So we shot the movie less than a year ago,
1: the first week of March, and we shot for six days. Six so
0: days. Yeah. Get the fuck <laughs> That is the... Sh- Look, I, I understand that films like these are... I mean, I just... Worked on something that went for 12 days. But uh, six fucking days, man. Break down the logistics for me on this.
1: Uh, So uh, there was a lot of great people that worked on it. Uh, First person I have to shout out, my co-EP, Drew Marion. He's also my lead editor. He and I did all the post-production on the movie. Uh, He was my AD on set. He's my right-hand man. We all worked together at Machinima uh, for about six to seven years. I had a sketch comedy show, had a few talk shows. Again, I did uh, EP and directed DC Daily. We just recently did a bunch of stuff for Amazon. So we all worked together at the small studio in Burbank and we got laid off and we just sort of sat around and like, I was like, Drew, you want to make this movie with me? And he was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And then I called up Blake Gaten, who's my DP, who again, has shot a lot of stuff for me. And I was like, yo, you want to go shoot a movie? He was like, I don't even need to know what it is. Let's do it. And then I called my makeup effects artist, Kate Matlock. And I was like, yeah, and Kate. She was like, of course, let's do it. And so that once that ball got rolling, I had been kind of ruminating on this concept for a while. It's technically a prequel to a script I had already written and turned into a radio play because we didn't get a chance to shoot it because it was a pandemic called Not Like Us. Uh, people want to go watch Old Strangers, then they can listen to the sequel, <laughs> Not Like Us. Uh, it's on like on all podcast platforms. But uh, I had this concept. I was in that world. I was working with that mythology. The script came very quickly to me. Uh, I was like, "Okay, I got some money saved. I got people down the clown. Uh, And then the way you kind of stretch that budget is I storyboarded everything. I logistically broke everything down. We were prepping for what the post process was going to be like. We were identified effects and what, what needed to go where, and music sources I and mean, how we were gonna score it. Uh, I sat down with Blake and we just went through diagrams of like, this is what the lighting's gonna look like. This is how this setup's gonna look like. These are the shot. This is the camera rig we need for these setups. This is the camera rig we need for those setups. Um, and my cast, like, God bless them because they were super committed and down. And Ted Evans, who plays Michael, he uh, is a longtime collaborator of mine. He was in a bunch of our sketches over at Machinima. Um, Colton Mastro. He, uh, I saw him in a friend short called uh, 2020, which was a parody of 1917, like a wonner about the year 2020. He's um, got like a few million views <laughs> online. He, I mean, I saw him and I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. Like, I can work with this dude. And I hit him up, basically wrote the role for both of those guys, the, their roles for them. And then Kate Matlock, my makeup effects artist, was like, Nick, I think I have the female lead for you. I worked with this girl, Madeline. Um, She's from the Philippines. She's new, like she hasn't done a ton of stuff here, but she's done stuff in the Philippines. I just worked on a short with her and she was running around in the redwoods screaming in like the, in the conditions. And I was like, all right, I'll hit her up. And she was down and they were, they were ready. You know, they were ready and willing. Uh, I do, I'm very proud of this. We shot it safely. We followed the COVID protocols. Everyone tested before they came up. That scene where they show their negative tests, those are actually their negative tests. Like that. So we we all had negative tests. We had a our A location where the cast stayed, that's where we shot at. And then we had a B cabin where the crew like lived at during the course of the week. And we just worked 15 hour days and we shot the movie. Yeah.
0: Nice, dude. Run and gun, I guess, kind of like. I don't know. It sounds like the uh Sounds like how you made movies at, like, you know, the Roger Corman School of Filmmaking, basically, or something like that.
1: Yeah. But one thing we, one thing that was like really important was that it, I was like, this can't look like
0: that. No, it and it, it didn't. Like, six it, it, days, I couldn't believe when you, Jesus Christ, man.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I, any advice that I can give an up and coming filmmaker storyboard, 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 storyboard. storyboard. There's so many tools now. Like, I use Procreate. I used to just draw on my notebook and stuff, and then I would just make photocopies and staple them and give them to my DP. Um, The more you can plan ahead of time, the better off you'll be on set. You know, I I do a couple different techniques where it's like, no, we're doing moving camera stuff. That takes a lot more time. We're doing sequencing. That takes a lot more time. Then I kind of take this Scorsese approach to like conversations and I'm like, just create a shooting gallery where your actors can move around in the space but you're kind of just doing shot reverse and like so if you if you use all the different techniques and you have a good blueprint then if you stumble upon something while you're there you don't break the day you know what i mean you don't like ruin a shot because you're like trying to figure out like how are we going to pull the shot off like you already have a foundation and then maybe something catches your eye and you're like let's you know let's just like mix it up a little bit um So I think the more prepared you can be going into a production, the better off you're going to be. Now it's completely contrary to the current motion picture slash television way of shooting, where they just get like eight cameras, throw them on a set, have a techno jib, have a crane, and then they just shoot the thing 18 times. Mm -hmm. And then some editor cuts it all together. But uh, the old school way to do it is storyboard it, shot list it, know what you want, see the movie, and then try to make what you see. In your head
0: yeah preparation is uh key i remember uh this is like nine years ago now i was making a short film uh me and my cinematographer friend who's someone i've known since like the third grade and people thought there was a rift between us on set because we weren't talking a lot to each other but it's because we prepped so much for what we wanted to do that we just showed up on set and did it. Like there was like, Hey man, are you and John, are you and John cool? Like, is everything I'm like, yeah, no, we're fine. We just, we know what we need to do. And we're just going to, you know, get in and out as quick, not as quick as we can, but like as efficiently and stay on schedule. So, you know, preparing for everything is definitely makes things go smoother on set, you know? And yeah. so anyway, but uh, this movie, like you, you say the word science fiction, you say the word horror, thriller, whatever you want to call it, a drama about three friends. It also feels like at times um, what uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I need to cut this out. You wrote this, too, right? Yes. OK, when you were kind of writing it like, you know, this is just as me as a, a screenwriter. Also, I, I try to watch films that maybe I'm trying to parallel a little bit, too. Uh, just because maybe your film reminded me of a few things, and I'll get to that in a minute. What were you watching, anything, or do you did you draw any inspiration from anything when you're crafting the idea outside I mean, of totally,
1: COVID? Totally, yeah. Uh, the drive up is The Shining. But okay, I see
0: that. Yeah, drive yeah. up is
1: The Shining. Um, there are I paid homage to The Thing. Other of Carpenter's work throughout. I have The Thing so, down here. I'm, but keep yeah. Going. <laughs> they, uh, while while writing the script, I listened to the Thing soundtrack and the Hateful Eight soundtrack. Um, Tar- the Hateful Eight definitely took inspiration from that. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, of course. Um, tree of Life. If you know the sequence, then you know the sequence. Oh, yeah. Um, I have Love the three-hour director's cut of Tree of Life on Criterion. That's, oh. that's pretty, uh, pretty uh, epic and out there. Um, a lot of this movie, I, I wanted elements of it to be experiential and not necessarily like concrete um i wanted to you know these people escaped techno bubbles i wanted them i wanted you to get the expanse of nature in 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 this i wanted that i wanted nature and even even the cosmos i wanted you to feel that you know uh in in a strange way that like yes the the micro and the macro if you will so yeah there there was uh there, there was a lot of like just my favorite sci-fi but also homage to 70s cinema to to making something that has that even though it's a genre piece it doesn't scream genre that it can be just a movie and have these other uh, supernatural elements that don't necessarily define the picture I know that's kind of hard because today like everything needs to be exactly what it is uh you know it needs to be in the, the the chicken nugget in the shape of a chicken. It can't be like a piece of chicken.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel it. No, that that's cool that you mentioned the thing because the. <laughs> I think like thirty five minutes in, I'm just like this feels this feels like John Carpenter. Like he, I was like he had to have been thinking about John Carpenter. Oh, I love thing. John Carpenter. I love. Oh, grew up
1: with Big Trouble, Little China. Um, I love the thing. The the original Halloween is brilliant. Like. John, John Carpenter like can do no wrong in my book. Escape from New York, even Escape from LA. You know, I don't care if you're gonna surf a typhoon wave and hop into Steve Buscemi's drop top, or do a basketball three point competition. I, I was a little bit, but still, that's I love. He can do no wrong, in my, or do the music video to Big Trouble in Little China. I, you know, there's nothing that he can do wrong in my book. He is,
0: him. he is. Am- I mean, oh, I've talked about Carpenter nonstop, but I don't think anybody's bored of me talking about john carpenter on the show yet but he he does he is like the epitome of a filmmaker that can do a lot with a little yeah he like escape from new york should be this big budget extravaganza on paper maybe or not or just like hearing the name and knowing the concept but it's like part science fiction, part film noir, part—I mean, it gets you know—it—it it feels like a few different genres at times. Yeah. And a funny, funny thing is—you uh, just made me think about this. Um, one of his last movies that is was an absolute dud. Uh, it's like twenty years old now, but *Ghosts of Mars*. With Those Ice Cube, are, man, that is an LL Cool job. Oh no, Ice Cube, not Ice cube. cube.
1: Oh my God, pull my G card.
0: But uh, yeah, <laughs> but he, uh, I, I heard a story, and I don't know if this is just internet fodder, but when I heard about it, it kind of made sense. That was supposed to be like a third installment into the Escape movies, but it was just going to be on Mars. And I, I watched it when I'd, I'd only, I'd never seen it, and this was a couple years ago, and I went into it knowing that and i was like kind of makes sense you know it just okay. ice cube is kind of like a i can't believe i'm saying this but ice cube's kind of like a snake pliskin in the movie but
1: no definitely okay i got to rewatch it through that lens now I, I saw that movie in the theater and we were stoked cuz like <laughs> oh carpenter like it was like a you know it was like a big theatrical release and he hadn't had one for like years we're like all right goes to just gonna be tight uh yeah it was like not but you, you still gotta it still has all the, the things you like about a carpenter movie though
0: yeah so, I just like maybe his style of directing maybe ran its course at that time he'd had a good long yeah. like 15 year run 20 year run up to that point um anyway back to your movie <laughs> should yeah, never bring so, up John carpenter on this show when, but uh
1: I mean that's i mean if you you can't you can't talk about this movie without
0: without no, like, no. I definitely felt the the vibe at times and this isn't necessarily a question and I don't know if I don't know what you it's a it's kind of an observation I had that made me think of something that was going on like during COVID lockdown uh, just because of one of the characters in the movie I don't want to spoil too much for the audience because we're going to tell you where you can go see it and whatnot but one of the characters kind of gets infected with something they find outside and this idea just popped into my head when you know the movie starts to kind of open up with the sci-fi and the horror of it i remember hearing like you know people on facebook and whatnot observing what's going on outdoors while we're all indoors and how great nature and you know the environment's doing that we're not in there fucking it up that like nature is healing okay and i remember just like once that part of the movie happened i was like oh nature's healing nature's beautiful again but what if nature healing also creates something kind of fucked up too to humans that completely ruins us and i don't know i just wrote it down here and thought i don't know what you were thinking with the uh kind of plot point of I um, don't know. <laughs> I
1: mean, I mean that's that's an interesting. I didn't look at it that. I know way, it's I probably not right it,
0: in what you were thinking, but it just went. Yeah, but
1: you. I think that, I think that you you can't. I don't think like looking at it that way is wrong, you know whether whether or not nature was influenced by this alien species in some way. But uh, this is how I the, the the spoilers. Okay, but like the antagonist will say of the film, the way they work is that they. Uh, They take on the worst traits Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of the host. uh, The most selfish traits. And that's how they propagate from species to species. So that... So at the the point that you find them, those pods are like a fungal state. Like they've overtaken a fungus and they've evolved to that. And then they make a huge leap in the movie in their evolutionary process. Mm -hmm. So uh but there is, but there is a like vengeful nature element to it. Yeah, I will say that. In 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 show, yeah. As as like welcoming and as beautiful as nature can be, there is a vengeful uh nature element to the project. Not not quite what you were you were getting at, but like yes, there is kind of like everything's terrible. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I feel it. but um uh well thank you for Thank you for clear. It's nice to hear the director uh kind of clarify that that for me in the audience but um i also kind of got a uh, I don't know if you this is another thing you were thinking of but i, I felt at times a very invasion of the body snatchers vibe to yes. what's going on in the movie i mean i revisited that film about five months ago when i was on amazon prime and i fucking forgot how incredible the 1978 version is um well yeah, totally that totally that perfect Uh, I also was just kind of thinking about the title and maybe we broke it down a little bit, but old strangers, like how did that title kind of come to you? Old strangers hit me and I
1: was like working title. Uh, Everyone emails like working title, old strangers, old strangers. And then I don't know if it was like just a happy accident. And then I just started drawing a lot of different comparisons. I'm like, they're old strangers. There's so many old strangers in our life the thing is an old stranger. Like it's a very, like we'll all be old strangers at the end of this. And it, I, I, I don't know. There's something so tragic about a lifetime and this I'm not getting a little bit heady with it, but it's something so tragic about a lifetime where you, what once was so commonplace becomes old and different to you. And as you get older, like you see that more and more when you're young, everything seems like so, so vibrant and the you have the future ahead of you but as you get older you just look back and you kind of see all these things that like it seems foreign like even yourself even like when i look back at myself in my 20s i'm like i'm not even that i'm not even remotely that person I'm, i don't even think i'm the evolution of that person i'm like a different guy at this point uh and i like and i i don't maybe you could tell by the, the way the the movie works but like i love to work in subtlety i don't i feel like a lot of, especially what's going on in television right now, everyone just tells you exactly what they're feeling, their emotions. But most people don't tell you anything about themselves, even if they're the most. I'm one of the most talkative people on earth, but when you're going through a rough time, it's usually a look, it's a sigh, it's a it's a it's a deflection, it's a joke. Rarely do people just park and go like, anyway, yeah, I did it. Like, I I I harmed myself, and these are the reasons why, and this is the stuff I'm struggling with, and more so, we don't pry. Aside from like our parents or like whatever, a sibling, like people aren't going to be like, yo man, what's going on? Most of the time we go like, I don't, don't want to touch it. I don't want to go near it. And I wanted I wanted to highlight that in the movie, like because so much of it is subtextual and like what they've gone through is there. There's enough like breadcrumbs and there's like rewatchability where you know exactly what all of them have gone through. But I didn't want to spell it out. And I didn't want some big like dramatic, like the biggest dramatic altercation, uh, you know, the bedroom scene. I wanted it to feel real and I wanted it to feel like what people who had a past trying to rekindle something, but kind of knowing deep down that it wasn't ever going to work, what that feels like, like how that comes to a head. Uh, And you usually say something really mean, you say something aggressive and you say something petty and that, you know, is going to hurt them. But you rarely get to the bottom of like, you know, in a movie, like they have an argument and they figure, oh, that's how you were like. No, but most of the time you say something that makes the person extremely defensive and then they fire back with something extremely defensive and nothing gets accomplished until everyone calms down. And then they're like, hey, I'm sorry. I kind of flew off the handle. But I was like, you know, I, I want this. I want the relationship to end on that awful note. Because that sometimes that's how it does go, you know. That's how it happens in life, and um, I want I wanted to capture capture the realism of that.
0: Yeah, as the plot escalates and things start to unravel, I I just remember. I just I actually felt um, satisfied how the thing ends because there's some things that are still some loose ends that weren't tied up. It felt like in the with the characters because I thought your cast did a pretty good job at uh, I shouldn't say that's not a really good job at just kind of playing at, playing out how things play out and, you know, nothing really gets resolved in the end. And I don't, know, I just thought it really kind of hit. I was like, that is very realistic to me how conflict works. Thank you. And yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, yeah. Um, the uh, one of the, Uh, marching orders of the whole production. I was like, you are not in a horror movie.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I was like, that is how you need to operate. You are not in a horror movie. If you go on a trip with your friends and something weird happens, the last thought in your mind would ever be that we are in a horror. You would think your friend's fucking the trip up. Oh my God, I got to stay here two more days with them. Like, come on, man. Like, why'd you go and touch that stupid thing? Like, we're going to end up in the ER. That would be the last thought that crosses your mind. And I kept telling people I was like we don't know we're in this sci-fi world until the final final reveal in the last third of the movie and you I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But before that it could go either way. It could literally go either way. And I and I toyed with that. I was like maybe there isn't. Maybe this isn't a sci-fi picture. Maybe this is just a mental illness pic or like a picture where like someone and I was like I but I I still got, you know, again, loving genre and being able to do genre. I, I was like, no, that this is the best way for me to wrap it up. Cause it was the initial intention. But uh, even in, in post, when we were cutting it and then while we were shooting it, I was like, you do not know that you're in a horror movie. And I was like, you cannot operate like, cause in your life, you will, you will justify anything before you go to like, Oh, it's a monster. Or I'm like, Oh, it's a worst case scenario. You'll be like, no, this is just, and, and it needed to be subtle enough where it wasn't like a monster slash across a door or something like that. Like it needed to be, even with the, you know, I I, I wanted the uh, the viewer to be second guessing. Like, is this, is there, are they going to go there or is it something else? Like, are they going to go there? And um yeah, that was, that was the goal. That was what kind of what we, tr- what we tried to do.
0: Do you, do you think the, maybe we answered this a little bit earlier, but do you think the film is like commentary on like, I mean, you mentioned like mental health a few times on the episode. Do you think the film is really touching on that or something else? Because I, I know mean, like in genre, it's usually genre filmmakers and genre films are saying something about something out there, something inside of them. Uh, but they're putting it into, you know, big, scary monsters or in this case, alien pods. But I want to see what the commentary you think it is.
1: I mean, it, 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 mental health is a big part of this. Mm-hmm. and it was and i think a lot of people myself included were dealing with that during the lockdowns and i i felt that kind of what i was saying earlier i felt like it's a disservice to this era of time to ignore that you know it's like you can do one of two things you could be a good soldier and be like everything's amazing or covid doesn't exist but i'm like i you know and there there's things about adulthood that just the anxieties of adulthood you know there's Trying to get pregnant. I know that's a big with, with friends and family members. That's a huge, that's a huge aspect of their life. And it's a huge aspect for a lot of people's life. And there's a lot of mental health and anxiety around that. And making relationships work, not just friendships, but romantic relationships, husband and wife relationships, like there was a lot I wanted to touch upon. And I, and then also the people at different points in their life all trying to find common ground is, is very difficult. And and the social anxieties that come with that. So yeah, it is. we are talking a lot about mental illness. It is it is a picture about mental illness and mental health. Uh, yeah. That's why Danny. That's why the character of Danny is susceptible because he is going through a, a mental breakdown basically, and he's covering it up really well. Um, but it, it gets exploited, mm-hmm. and and you know,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you much gets no i got you i got you uh well i mean that's a good place to kind of leave it on the on the film it's is I'm, I'm not just saying this because you're on the show I, I really enjoyed it i thought it was a and just to kind of hear you know how the mechanics were working with you with putting it together and whatnot it's pretty interesting what like i just kind of this is the part of the show where i'd like to ask if Said guest can say what they can about anything, but like what's next for you if there's anything coming down the pipeline?
1: Uh I want to do the sequel to Old Strangers, not like us. Um, takes place in a snowy bar, bunch of strange. If if old strangers holds up a mirror to COVID, uh not like us holds up a mirror to social media, in particular Twitter. Uh so everyone kind of gets jammed in a bar. They all look different, act different. And then they find out that this invasion is happening. Uh, and people who already didn't trust each other have to suss out. Uh, it's the thing, but it's not, uh, you know what I mean? But they uh playing upon people that already don't trust each other, having to then figure out who to not, to literally not trust. Like, okay, uh, again, like politics or social agenda aside, like there's an alien presence that we really need to suss out or we're all going to die. Um, and how they kind of can't get out of their own way in that so
0: cool i hope it's uh, no that sounds really uh that sounds really cool i hope you get it off the ground uh and that you said there's oh. like an audio uh version of that
1: yeah you can you just like uh google not like us it's on um apple podcasts or and a whole bunch of other different podcast platforms it's on lipsyn uh so yeah yeah lipson is i don't it? think
0: i'm on that but like I, I i google searched this podcast the other day and like there's this feed the rss feed is on like stuff i've never even heard of so
1: oh yeah uh, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> i did the podcasting. thing but i was like nah, hmm. <laughs> i did like a five episode radio play of the script and it's i uh i worked on it with drew marion who's a you know co-ep on old strangers so we have it's all the sound effect it's really cool it has full sound effects, full sound design, a score, everything. It's like a movie without visuals. Cool. It's like an old school radio play.
0: I I will uh I'll track that down. I'll put it in the show notes of this episode. So okay. um Yeah, uh and also if let's just say anybody wanted to stalk you on the internet or find out or see where to what you're working on, what you're doing, uh could anybody do that? Um so I
1: personally am off social media. Part, oh. of my, part of my life plan now. Uh, uh, I'm
0: inching that way too.
1: <laughs> if, if you can do it, I, I, rec- I highly recommend it. Um, but for Old Strangers, we're at Old Strangers Movie on Instagram and Facebook and at Old Strangers Movie uh, on YouTube. So you can find us there. There's clips of the movies, still in the movies where you can buy the movie uh, integrations that we do with channels like yours and uh, just hyping that all up. But me personally, um, I'll see you at the movie. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Where
0: can we, uh, We can, where can we, where can we track the film down?
1: So you can watch Old Strangers on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vudu, Comcast On Demand, Verizon Fios. You can buy a DVD from Amazon.com or a Blu-ray, which I'm going to do. I'm pretty stoked about that. Uh, and it's like 12 bucks to buy and 3.99 to rent. I mean, I'm sure everyone's just going to rent it, but if you buy it, uh, you know, there's a special place for you in my heart.
0: Um. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. All right, uh, Nick, thank you for a great show today. Oh, dude, thank
1: you for having me so much. Tyler, it was great talking to you. You're a man after my own heart. I'm glad uh I'm glad we had a lot of commonality here. It was fun.
0: No, it was this is definitely cool. I didn't get to ask you real quick about all the uh the anime uh figures behind you like what what wait i can't really see clearly but like what are they like which there's dragon, dragon ball,
1: ball there's dc there's ninja turtles power rangers i got a, oh here's look at this you know, he's on my edit bay but well xenomorph nice nice a, i'm a big toy collector so oh and then there's the that's the timeline of the movie there with some of uh, looking <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: directory and uh editorial <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you for a great episode. This was awesome. Uh, you guys know where to find the movie now. Check it out. I highly recommend it. It's probably the best COVID movie that acknowledge, that acknowledges COVID that I've seen so far. So, um, and you guys also know the routine, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts, Spotify. See you all next week. Take care.